There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you for tuning into the Friday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for those that have listened each and every podcast this week. I've looked at the download numbers, and I guess it helps because we're in the winter. Folks are home. Folks are not nearly as busy, especially in the northern states. And so our increase uh, has been pretty substantial in the last month and a half or so as far as the downloads. And folks have contacted us almost every day. Somebody contacts us about the podcast. And we just rejoice in that. We thank God for that. Thank God for each of you that listen. We don't want this to be in vain. I was sharing about the podcast at the barbershop the other day in hopes that somebody would listen. Not because I'm anybody, but because this great God that we preach in the Psalms is a great God. And he wants to change lives. He wants to make a difference in people's lives. And he wants to do that, that he might receive the glory. If there is a changed life, it's that he receives the glory. He's not pragmatic. He's a holy God. He doesn't look at what the betterment of man is. He looks at whether or not he can receive the honor and the glory due unto his holy name. And so we appreciate folks that have spread the word about the podcast for those listening, those doing the First John Project. We've had several contacts this week also about doing First John. They finished up the first chapter. Thank God for that. Thank God for each and every one of you that are doing the First John Project. I would like to just briefly announce, if you would, on Monday, pray for those traveling to Cape Verde. We'll be flying out Monday evening, uh, heading overseas and land in Portugal, then a long, long layover heading to uh, Praia from there. And then also the meetings coming up next week, we've announced in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, the Grace Bible Baptist Church. And uh, that's going to be a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, all day Sunday. We'll continue the next week then in doing uh, chapel service at Black Creek, New York. And then we'll be in Wellsville, New York, at the Anchor Baptist Church the following Sunday. And I knew some of you that listen will plan on coming that Sunday night because you don't have Sunday night service. And so we just want to make you aware of that. And so we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in these services. So pray for us. Pray for the meetings upcoming. We are in Psalm 135 today. In Psalm 135, the Word of God simply says this, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Now, this chapter is going to continue along these lines. It's going to talk about the goodness of the Lord. It's going to talk about the praise of the Lord. It's going to talk about blessing the Lord. And all that is an understandable to the saint of God. It's probably foreign to most people. They have a strange idea of what praise is. But even if someone asked the other day, I said, praise is audible. Praise is vocal. Praise is loud. Praise is clear. I mean, the praise is praise. There's no way to put it. You don't praise him internally. Uh, you praise him with your voice. You praise him with the high-sounding cymbals. You praise him with all of your might. You can praise him. And and so the psalmist challenges us about praising him. It's not even a challenge to us. That's kind of a liberal term, but it's commanding us to praise him. Why? We have something to praise him about. He's worthy of our praise. And if he inhabited the praise of Israel, I believe he also inhabits the praise of his church. 
I don't know why he wouldn't inhabit the praise of his church. In verse 2, ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. That's who's going to praise him. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. He's worthy to be praised. The Lord not only is good, he doeth good. And so he is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. We got hung up there several months back on that matter of the Lord doing good and the goodness of the Lord. But though that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. He's worthy to be praised, yet many do not praise him. It's a song of exaltation. This is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm to teach us to praise him, to tell us why to praise him, why he's worthy to be praised. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. So he tells us this is for Israel, praise him. All that men would praise him. No, the formality of religion has just stifled praise. The deadness of religion has stifled praise. And I realize you get in places where praise is just out of control and it's become just carnal. It's become sensationalized. It's become a show of the flesh. And I know that dissuades some from praising, but don't let anybody else dissuade you from praising the Most High God. He's worthy to be praised. Praise him in home. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in private. Praise him in public. Praise him in a secret place. And if you'll praise him in the secret place, you'll learn to praise him in the public place. You can rest assured of that. In verse 5, it says, For I know that the Lord is great. So we see the goodness of the Lord in verse 3. We see the greatness of the Lord in verse 5, and that our Lord is above all gods. Now, it's interesting. He goes on. There's a couple of the points in this uh, with the little G. If you want to alliterate this, we see his glory. And then later on, we see his guidance. And so a little alliterated message somebody had preached years ago. I guess I wrote little notes down the margin of my Bible. I used to do that. And I myself am terrible at alliteration, but I love uh, plagiarizing, so I can always plagiarize somebody else's message about the G's, the goodness, the greatness, the glory, and the guidance of Almighty God. And so thanks to whoever preached that. Oh, there's point five on the next page, the generosity of Almighty God. So, hey, if you plagiarize it for me, I don't know who did it, so you can just claim it as your own if you want to preach that. But the greatness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, I know that the Lord is great. Our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased... That did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all deep places. The Lord does whatever he wants to do. It's whatever pleases him. Why? He's the most high God. He's a holy God. The Lord of all the earth will do right. And he goes on then and he says that he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Now, Job told us we've seen the treasures of the snow, the treasures of the hail. We see here the wind out of his treasures. He calls the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. Amos told us he calls the waters from the seas to return back to the heavens. Uh, you know, So the word of God is very clear about how God does as he pleases. That whole process, I studied that out many, many years ago. The process, because it's mentioned so often in the Bible, and it would behoove you to study that out. Uh, Job 36, Job 38, uh, the treasures of the snow, the treasures of the hail, the water course, how God established that water course. Amos 9, I believe it's in verse 6, how he calls the waters back to the heavens again. And science calls it evaboration, condensation. He calls the rain upon the earth, yeah, Job 36, or Job, yeah, Job 36, and he calls the rain to distill upon the face of the earth. You make it small, the rain thereof, the drops thereof. And so all of that's in there. And I studied that many, many years ago to understand what science is now figuring out. It's the laws of condensation. It's the laws of evaporation. And God did that. It pleased the Lord to do that. It pleased the Lord to send that rain upon the earth. Only God could do that. 
Man couldn't conjure it up. Evolution can't fall into that. You're telling me a big bang occurred one day, and all of a sudden, out of that came the ideas of evaporation and condensation and rain upon the earth. And all of a sudden, like these things just started happening to sustain man, to sustain life, and to water the crops. And men think that just happened? The foolishness of men, the foolishness of their minds. The carnal mind is enmity with God. That's why it's enmity with God. It's reason. It's deductive reasoning. It's foolish reasoning. God did that because he's good. God did that because he's great. God did that because, and I hate to use this word because this will stagger some people, because he's sovereign. He can do as he pleases. And so he did that. He smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. Why? It pleased the Lord to do that. They depressed his people. That's the best I can come up with on that. He hated Pharaoh. The word of God told us that who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of the O Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants. It pleased our great God to do that to Israel. And it's always pleased him to go against his enemies. Why? Because they've defiled him and cursed him and mocked his name and cursed his son and crucified his son. He smote great nations and slew mighty kings. And he tells about this king, Sion, king of the Amorites, and all king of Bashan. And all the kingdoms of Canaan that pleased the Lord to slay them and give their land for inheritance and heritage unto Israel, his people. God did that. And I can't understand the mind of God, the working of God. And I realize society today is teaching people to hate the Jews. And many years ago, I met a young man from the Russian Federation, and he spoke of his hatred for the Jews. Immediately, he just was cursing his poverty he lived in because of the Jewish bankers. And I challenged him about that. And I said, you know, the poverty you live in is not because of the Jewish bankers. I said, you've been programmed to think that. I said, but they were God's people. And I said, they're under the judgment of God. Even now they're going to come under the wrath of God in a day appointed. And I went through and I had probably an hour with this young man and spent uh, some time just trying to convince him that all Jews were not awful people because that's what society's taught him. And we're left there the witness of the greatest Jew of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the testimony that Jesus Christ gave, that he came to his own, his own received him not, and therefore he died for the sins of a little Russian boy, raising the Russian Federation in poverty, but he died for his sins, that he doesn't have to uh, be a sinner, he doesn't have to go to hell. Leaving that witness, and yet so many today, they don't understand the work of God. They despise the work of God. They hate the work of God. He goes on and says, Thy name, O Lord, in verse 13, endureth forever. And thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. That's the mercy of God. Oh, that we throw ourselves in God's mercy. Thank God for God's mercy. Thank God that God saw my plight and my condition, yet it said his only begotten son to love me and care for me enough to die for me. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. And by the way, there's truly a definition right there that one of those things of being confounded. That's truly what the definition speaks of. Not only are they making these idols with their hands and their wood, their rock, their stone, their gold, their silver. Oftentimes these pagan gods have an assortment of things and jewels and they have mouths, they speak not, eyes they have, they see not, they have ears, they hear not, needs any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. And so is everyone that trusteth in them. And today, especially with modern 
understanding, communication, you know, and it's almost flabbergasting to think that people are still bowed down to those gods. But they're afraid of those gods. They fear those gods. They fear not to serve them. They fear not to worship them. They think some terrible thing will happen to them. They they look around them and they see poverty and they see the refuse of life. And yet they're told those gods will bring you out. Those gods are the only thing keeping you alive. And they'll go and offer to those gods. And they'll offer still living sacrifice to those gods and their children to those gods. And they love those gods. They'll be just like them. They never spoke. They've never heard. We have a living God. We have a breathing God. We have a God that hears, a God that sees, a God that speaks. Not as he speak, he gave us his word. His word's the most precious thing on this earth because it was a God that saw our plight and saw our need and gave us the word of God that we can know him and understand him and that he can speak to us through his word that we can understand us. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless him in the name of the Lord, our out of Zion which dwelleth at Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Would you have a great weekend? Hope the podcast is a help. Tune in next week. Pray for us next week. Pray for those traveling to Africa. Pray for the podcast. Pray for those sick and afflicted. We've mentioned an earlier podcast. Have a great weekend in the Lord. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory. Song of the Redeemer.